supporters and invited guests here on Belmont Banter. Welcome to the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC, whose main club sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. Hello again and welcome to Belmont Banter and today's guest is Daryl Farley. Now Daryl is the Youth Development Officer for Whistle Town. He also manages the under-13s but I understand he's also got some responsibilities on the other teams as well. Right Daryl? Uh, that's right Tony, yeah afternoon at all. Um, yes indeed, so presently I'm the manager of the under-13s, the um, East Kent Youth League team. Although I have been helping um, set up the under-7s team in readiness for the 2020-21 season. Cracking bunch of players, cracking bunch of kids, both, both sets of age groups. And yeah, two, two different ends of the spectrum, really. So you've got 13-year-olds or 12-year-olds who have been playing for five or six years. And obviously, seven-year-olds just starting on their journey. Yeah, it's, a, it's a wonderful setup now that uh, you, you've got at uh, the Belmont. Because not only with the facilities improving all the time, but... All of the people around the club, I mean, I've been banging on for years about needing younger people involved. And all of a sudden, almost like a light switch, the club atmosphere has changed completely. It's brilliant. It's, it, I think it's one of those things that um, coaching is very contagious. I think uh, as, a, as a parent, you sort of watch it from the sideline and you see the joy that the players get from it. And you, yeah, by, by default, you want to be part of that. So yeah, like I say, the number of volunteers and helpers across the club is, is increasing almost weekly. Uh, and it's a brilliant sight to see, a really brilliant sight to see. Well, actually, now this gives you a platform to throw out a little uh, plea, advert, call it what you will. Uh, is there any particular uh, person you want in a position or just general helpers or anything? Yeah, I think I think the key... Uh, the key position for me at the minute is probably our under sevens because um, like I say obviously I've started them on their journey it's an amazing opportunity like I say to to shape the next batch of youngsters coming through and set them on their way developmentally I will give full support and mentoring to any coaches that would be interested but yeah so the under seven is probably the key one for me primarily because um, as I sort of alluded to earlier I also run our under 13s and uh, Mrs. Farley isn't overly impressed with me being out of the house both both Saturdays and Sundays <laughs> with football. So um, okay. any pairs of hands that are, want to step forward um, would be more than more than sort of appreciated. And on top of running two teams, you're also the youth development officer. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember from a conversation I had with Steve, he said that at the club now, and this includes uh, first team reserves, etc. He said we've got something like 21, 22 teams. I think it's 24 with the new 18s and the 7s coming in. Don't, don't quote me on that, but yeah, I think it's 24 wow. this season, Tony. It's, uh, yeah, it's brilliant to see. It really is brilliant to see, and it's definitely the right way to take the club forward by having this feeder, um, these pathways, as we call them. And basically, you know, the, the whole ethos is to try and create players of whatever age group you are on the journey to be capable of, of or representing the first team um, in years to come. Yeah, so, so yeah, it's, it's brilliant to see, brilliant to see. Well, and the encouraging thing, of course, is that um, with Josh running the academy, uh, you're talking about the word pathway, which I hear used a lot, and, and rightly so. Uh, the boys themselves can see, physically see with their own eyes, that you know they, they, the kids are progressing through the teams. Oh, completely. I mean, you know, I, I think also it's great we've got the, the, the girls section as well. Um, so we're also creating pathways for, for ladies football, future generations. And it is, it's, it's really sort of um, shining the light on, on opportunity. So when people come in and be part of Whitstable, whatever age group you're at, like I say, it's, it's generating that opportunity to take their football as far as they possibly can 
um, and like I say, perhaps, hopefully, in, in future years, is to represent the first team. And even beyond that, Tony, you know, there's there's opportunities beyond the first team, hopefully, for, for players to, to take, like I say, to take their, their, their game as far as they can do. Well, that's very encouraging. I mean, we've had one or two young lads over the years uh, who progressed onwards, and uh, it's really in, it's enlightening to see. It's a funny thing about um, when they progress. You've got misgivings because they're leaving your club. But at the same time, there's a tremendous amount of pride when they do go up that next level and then the next level. It's, it's a real sort of feather in the club's cap. Oh, completely. You know, for me, there's, there's no better um, sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Better, better feeling, I suppose, than seeing a player go as far as they can do in their career. Obviously playing for their local club, the community club. Brilliant to see, but if they then go beyond that, that shows that actually, do you know what, developmentally you've, you've done as, as much as you possibly can do for that player. And yeah, you, exactly as you say, it's a feather in the cap for the, for the coaches concerned. I often wonder, you know, because I've seen a couple of um, bios about, um, you know, some of these players that have made it. Um, Messi, for argument's sake, uh, started his football career when he was about seven, came over from Brazil. And uh, it's a massive step for these young kids. And of course... 99% of them don't make it. It's so hard, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. And this is, you know, it's one of the underlying stats. And I, I won't quote stats at you, but it is only a really, really small percentage of, of players that actually make it to the very top level of the game. You know, you lose count of the amount of times you hear so-and-so had so much ability at the age of 9, 10, 11, they're going to go on to be a professional footballer. But not only is that um, development requirement there as I go through sort of the teenage years, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you've got to have that little bit of luck as well. You've got to be in the right place at the right time to be spotted. You know, you, there's, I'm, I'm sure there's thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of players out there who actually could probably be playing at the Premier League or even, you know, in the EFL or the Championship. Um, they just haven't had that lucky break because they haven't been in the right place at the right time. And there's another point to take on board, particularly your your sort of level sixes and then thirteens, is that some some boys, particularly, well, no girls as well. I, I shouldn't just say boys because it happens with both. I've got two grandchildren, granddaughters rather. And um, a really undefinable age when all of a sudden they shoot up. And at one <laughs> stage, they can be in the like under nines and you think, oh my goodness me, he's never going to be big enough. Next year, you think, crikey, he could go and play under 12s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of the challenges of it. It's, it's especially when you're going through the puberty stages. So you get, obviously get players at different stages of their lives suddenly go from being five foot two to six foot four, like you say, almost overnight. And then you might have players that remain at five foot two for another two, three years. You know, the, the role of the coach, though, or, or the manager, the management team, is to recognise the needs of all players and obviously adapt their training and their coaching accordingly. So that whilst you might have a five foot two player who physically will be at a disadvantage, actually, technically, they know how to counteract that. So they may be strong enough in other areas that actually that negates that, that, that lack of physical um, advantage, or sorry, negate the physical advantage that the opposition you know, or other teammates have. Um, so yeah, it's a really difficult balancing act to try and meet the demands of every single player. But that's that's why we do it. That's why you know, that's why coaches do it. And you're not only wearing two hats: one for the under sixes, one for the under thirteens. But you're also the youth development officer. So you're the one who's responsible overall for the development of the youth. Yeah, I mean, primarily the remit is is it's probably a little bit more um, sort of higher level than that in the in respect, but. It's almost coaching the coaches, Tony. It's almost sort of providing mentorship and training to the coaches in order to be able to, to, to support them to be able to deliver better sessions 
in order to meet the development needs of the players. So it's you know, basically being eyes and ears and, and, and there as an outlet in the respect that if a coach has a question and, and you know, wants to steer on something, then I'm, I'm more than happy to provide that. Talking of coaches um, and your involvement at this level, have you had any, um, any success? Success is a strange word to use. But has any, anyone progressed beyond what you thought that their limit might be as far as coaching is concerned? Anybody going um, to uh, men's football, for instance? That, that, that's a really good question. Um, at this stage, uh, I will say no. Um, I've been coaching youth football for nine years, mainly now. Um, but I was also involved uh, about 15, 20 years ago, and I, about three or four years at a very, very young age of, of football. So... I think the first people that I've really had the ability to influence are sort of coming up to the 16s age now, and they're just starting to get into men's football. But certainly I can see that they're, they're reaching that stage in their, their progression, that they are ready for men's football. So you're probably about three or four years too early with that question, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Something else that uh, a lot of people don't take on board is the lasting effects that you as a youth coach can have on these youngsters going forward in their lives oh absolutely it is it is it's, it's an all it's an all-round package you know you're not just a football coach but actually you are a an outlet from a social aspect um you're also you know there to support them if they have any emotional needs and any mental needs you know it's it's, it's a complete package and like i say to develop the, the the all proper rounded footballer for the want of a better phrase you've got to consider absolutely everything it's not just what you see on the park on a saturday or a sunday it's everything that's going around in their head, you know, during the training week, whatever's going on at home, whatever's going on in their schooling lives, you know, all these things you need to take into consideration when you're delivering a training session, you know, say during the week or a weekend. You uh, certainly know your onions as far as the kids are concerned. Let's touch about your, uh, your own uh, ability or I don't know, I don't know how good you were. I've got no idea. <laughs> uh, you must have played football at some level to have got involved like this. Yeah, I mean... Let's start you when you were at school, come on. Okay, so I, this is where, well, I marvel slightly, is that I was a very large child. Um, I was carrying a little bit too much weight. Um, and you're talking sort of 20, 30, well, how old am I now? Too old, for the, too old to put out in media. But certainly 30 plus years ago, when football was very much a case of 10s, under 11s, you played on the big pitch with big goals, and you got the fastest kid in, in school, and you stuck them up top, and you hit the ball as long as you could do to that kid who then ran rings around everybody else. And, and because I was quite a large child, um, I didn't get that much opportunity to play. So I didn't play a lot of youth team football. But where it all started to, to catch up with me is when I got to 15, 16 and went through the growth spurt that you sort of touched on earlier, then I found I could more than hold my own um, from a physical aspect. And that's when I started to play more and more regularly. So um, I was born on the Isle of Sheppey, born and bred on the Isle of Sheppey. So I used to play for, for three different teams over the weekend. So I used to play Saturday afternoon football. And that was what they called the British North Kent Electric Lead uh, back in the day for, for Shenis East. And then I used to play for Shenis East on a Sunday morning. And that was Medway, it was just called the Medway Sunday League then. It wasn't called the Medway yeah. Messenger League. Uh, and that was in the Premier League. And then I used to play for a pub team <laughs> on, a, on a Saturday, oh, sorry, on a Sunday afternoon. And, and that was my social aspect. So that was just with a load of mates that, you know, I'll have a few drinks with and perhaps on a Saturday or a Friday and I go and play football with those on a, on a Sunday afternoon. So 
I sort of regret the fact that I didn't have that opportunity when I was a youth player, which is really why I got into coaching. Because I think, you know, if you've got to steer during the youth years, they are the most fundamental years yeah. of your playing career. Uh, and that's where, like I say, I look back with regret, which is why I've got into the coaching now, because I don't want to have other people to have those regrets. And, and to, you know, I, I want players to have those opportunities to be coached. You just uh, tweaked my memory a little bit, mentioning Sheppey, because Mark Lane, who, who you will know from... Mm, yep. um, Mark also had a spell as a manager for us. He's been with the club on and off a long time. Great yeah, guy. Yeah, um, no, Laney. No, Laney very well. Yeah, good lad. Good lad. Oh, you do. All right. Well, you know, the only reason I mentioned that was because, let's use the word back in the day, and I would say <laughs> probably 20 odd years ago, Sheppey had a really good side, didn't they? They did, yeah. I mean... <sighs> I'm not going to get involved. In, I'm not going to get embroiled in the politics and, and everything that went behind it. Um, but yeah, back in the day, they they had a very very strong team, and I remember vividly going down and watching them you know, sort of every every Saturday afternoon. My dad would, would take me down there, and it was it was just it was great again, similar sort of thing to be part of a community, but actually to see a very strong team playing on a on a regular basis on your doorstep as it was back then. But then obviously, you know, whatever happened with the, the whole Sheppy situation. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think this uh, this is the forum to discuss no, that. Not, um, I completely agree. We, we, you know, we're not we're not out to shoot anybody down. It's just information that will help because I'm trying to build a rounded picture of you, and what you're saying now goes in with that. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and, I, I, and you know, I will sort of dock my cap in Sheppy's direction now. They're doing a very similar sort of thing to what we're doing. So they're they're putting a lot of time and effort um, into their youth structure. Actually, do you know, the youth structure is the lifeblood of any any sort of lower level club. And I think it's completely the right thing to do because ultimately every youth team should be looking to serve the first team in years to come with players. And that should be the remit. And like I say, for me, that's that's completely the right way around it. Then this stepping stone from what? when does your youth football start? Is it under 16s? Is that your remit when it finishes then? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, historically, I, I've been 16s. Um, I have been involved with the 18s over the summer, primarily trying to to, to pull together a, a third side uh, within the East Kent Youth League. But generally, the remit is that um, Josh will take responsibility for 18s yeah. into reserves, academies, and then obviously eventually into the uh, into the first team. I had a really good chat with Josh the other day, but unfortunately, we had a few technical issues, so I've got to do it all again with him. But I'm happy to because... Uh, <laughs> No, it was a really, really good chat. One yeah. thing I wanted to put to you was this. We've experienced it ourselves at Whitstall in the first team, uh, where we've had young kids coming through 14, 15, 16, and then that age group between 16, let's say, and 18, there are, to my mind, this is only my view, there are three things that kill it all then. You end up with either university, they go away, girls, they fall in love, and the other one is mates, who go out drinking and aren't interested in football. So you get a young lad who at 14, 15, 16, football, 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 is really good at it. And all of a sudden, bang, he falls off the wagon. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a really good, um, that's a really good summary, uh, Tony. I think from my perspective, it all comes back down to hunger and desire. What yeah. do you want in your life? You're always going to have external influences, but as long as you remain focused and, and, and you want to chase your dream, then actually, do you know what? You need to be strong enough to turn around and say, all right, the university thing is something slightly different. Obviously, that's a complete yes. life-changing experience, but certainly as far as sort of females or, or partners, shall we say, yeah, um, 
partners and and um, alcohol are concerned, do you know what? If you if you if you want the dream, then sometimes you do have to make some sacrifices or you have to make workarounds. It all comes back to the hunger. All comes back to the hunger. And again, you can only build that to a certain extent as a coach. It comes down to the individual concern as to how much they want to pursue it. So um, yeah, it, it, it's an age, it's a really it's a really big age, sixteen to eighteen. You know, yeah. as, as you allude to, a number do drop by the wayside. Now, I, I'm, I'm seriously, I don't want an answer to this question because I know from, I would say from experience, and certainly you'll understand what I'm saying. You, amongst your setup, you must have a young kid that you think personally, wow, he's got something or she's got something. I don't want you to name the child because that, <laughs> that to me would be, uh, it's just, it's not on. But no. you know, so many people are pushing for that all the time and it puts too much pressure on the child. Yeah, it does, Tony. Um, there are uh, within our club. There are a number of players, um, both sort of male and female, with the right guidance and the right steer. Actually, they they have potential to to to, to be representing our first team in the not too distant future. Um, some a little bit further down the line, but yeah, for me, for me, and, and it's not in all instances. For me, managing the parents is probably one of the hardest challenges. Um, and like I say, I must just you know, put on record that's not in every instance. Some parents are fully, fully supportive and brilliant to work with. Other parents sometimes maybe think that you know their their child at the age of nine, ten, fifteen, or whatever age group it is, you know, is the next best thing since sliced yeah. bread. Uh, and, and and it comes back to the point we sort of touched on earlier. Only a very, very, very small percentage of players actually make the professional game. Um, so again, as a coach, as a as a mentor, it's managing that expectation and, and making sure that things just don't get carried away. Yes, I'm sure you've got the stats there to back that up. I mean, if you um, just do a bit of mental arithmetic, I think there were about was it 18 or 20 teams in the Premiership. I can't remember now. And yeah. then let's imagine that each team carries 20 players. I know they carry more than that. Yeah. But the mass there is just in the maybe a thousand, but it's not that many. And you take that, the amount of children, youngsters, young adults that are playing football, got the aspirations to be a premiership footballer, and the chances of making it are very, very slim. Uh, absolutely. And like I say, unfortunately, I don't have that percentage. It is something that it's eye-opening. It is absolutely eye-opening. When you do break it back down into constituent parts and feed that back to the parents, then reality does kick in a little bit more. Um, that, you know, like I say, it's not just having the... the the four main aspects of, of sort of uh, the developmental side of things. But actually, like I say, it comes back to what I said earlier. It's that little bit of luck, that lucky break, right place, right time as well. And, you know, you can be as brilliant as you can be, but if you don't get that little bit of luck, then again, like I say, you're another, you're another lost statistic, sadly. Yeah, very frustrating, isn't it? Do you, you don't get much chance to see your Saturday football down the club, do you? <laughs> um, I, I, I did at the end of last season because uh, when um, Lloyd had his hip replacement operation, I supported Steve and Laney and Lloyd um, for the last three or four games. Um, but certainly this season, like I say, trying to um, trying to juggle everything is, is is a bit of a challenge. Yes, if I if I could find more time somehow, if I could find twenty eight hours in the day as opposed to the standard of twenty four, then certainly I would spend a lot more time down the ground. I can imagine. Um, you'll have to have a word with Mrs. Farley and see if she'll let you down there on the odd, odd Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I say I, I, I thoroughly enjoy going down there. And again, it's all part of the experience. You know, it's, it's great for the for the youngsters to be around that as well. You know, to see where they can potentially aspire to get to in in five, ten, fifteen years' time. You know, it's it's 
it's it's it's good it's good it's brilliant down there it's a really good community thing that's being built down there and like i say we want to get to the point whereby uh players of all ages want to be part of it and that's that's the big selling point for me yeah i agree with you and and there's another silly old cliche that gets thrown out all the time there's no iron team but steve um, is driving the club in the right direction and at the right pace as well i mean you must be immensely proud of what collectively you've all done uh, since you've uh, become involved with Whitstall Town, because anybody that comes to the club now as a potential parent with a child and sees the setup that we've got, you know, they must be impressed. I mean, look at the classroom for the for the academy and all, all the rest of the stuff and the pitch now. Look at the pitch. Yeah, I mean, we've made huge, huge, huge strides in a very short space of time. Um, I think the hardest thing to, to manage is when you do go through a period of accelerated growth, is trying to manage everybody's expectations. And I think Steve's done, Steve's done brilliant in that regard. We are going through a transitional phase from um, the community aspect, as I say, in that we are now finding that more and more players want to be part of it. Uh, and touching his own, you know, touching on exactly as you said there, Tony. You, know, you look at the you look at the Belmont. It's looking really great, Nick. Down there, mm-hmm. people are starting to talk about. Oh, yeah. Have you had a look at Whitstable? Have you, have you have you seen about the coaching that they're doing there? Have you seen about the development? Have you seen about the pathways? Mm-hmm. And like I say, you know, we're getting inundated with players wanting to be part of that. It's brilliant. It's it's good. It's, it's good that people can see what we're trying to achieve and want to be part of. What's what's going to be a very exciting journey and and hopefully an amazing success story. Uh, I totally agree with you. And, you know, looking at the other side of the coin at the moment with this pandemic, uh, may well be it will we'll get more local, local kids in, whereas in the past they might, uh, I don't know, trundle off to Ramsgate or Margate or wherever, and the parents say, no, let's just keep it local. Yeah, and I think, I think a lot of it comes down to reputation as well, Tony. Still this perception between uh, some parents, shall we say again, um, not all. Um, there's still some perception that you've got to go and play for a winning team, when actually that's not necessarily the case when it comes to development. If if you've got a coach, some 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 teams have coaches that um, are more focused on on winning games, and like I say, the perception is that everything is results driven. However, the FA initiatives is almost trying to change the dynamics of that and and, and put the emphasis on the developmental side of things as opposed to the the results. So I think you've, you've had a, a generation perhaps where results are everything. But like I said, I think now we're getting to the point where people are starting to realise that actually my, my son's daughter will get more out of the game of football, not going for playing for a team that wins 16-0 every week, yeah. but actually has a good coach and explains the reason why perhaps they lost games, the reason why you know, identifies areas for improvement and works with those players to address those areas of improvement. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And of course... What you're saying is on the back of uh, all the girls and youths and ladies football coming forward now. I mean, they've got uh, ladies football on TV quite regularly now, whereas five years ago, would they have had it on? No. Oh, no, it's, it's a boom area. It's a boom area. I think, um, I think it's a knock-on effect of the men's game. Um, I think the men's game uh, has plateaued as far as it can do with exposure to sort of TV coverage. It's sort of reached that glass ceiling, for the want of a better phrase. And I think people are starting to realise that actually, you know, there's, as you sort of touched on earlier, Tony, there's only so many jobs and, and roles within the men's game. And actually people with, with significant experience and people with significant ability uh, are starting to get involved in the, in the women's game. And again, the standards are being raised almost hourly, almost hourly. You know, you compare the standard of ladies football now compared to where we were exactly as you touched on three, four years ago. It's made huge strides as well. 
it's made huge strides. It certainly has. Well, Daryl, I'll tell you what, it's been an eye-opener to talk to you today. I knew it would be a good chat. I said to Steve, <laughs> when he put your name forward, I said, well, one of the guys I've been dying to talk to, that's, that's really nice. What I'd like to put to you is halfway through the season, can we touch base again and um, you can catch up on how the season's going for everybody? Yeah, no, absolute pleasure, Tony. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'll be more than happy to do so. Give you an update and, and yeah, exactly as you say, let you know where we are yeah, and, and how fun. things are heading in the direction we want to be. That would be good. And if you can, mate, if Mrs Farley does allow you down on a Tuesday night, <laughs> okay, you can cut, we can we can pump fists, can't we? So, <laughs> really okay. Yeah, no, definitely, Tony. Like I say, I will be down the bound before too long, so I'll, I'll get the application for me. But yeah, no, no, joking aside, like I say, I will get down there at some point or other. And it's just a number of juggle, num, number of balls to juggle, as you sort of touched on earlier with sort of the under sevens, the under thirteen, supporting coaches as well. So, but yeah, I will certainly be down the Belmont for too long. So, anybody that um, is listening to this today, is there a number or a way that you to contact you? What's the best thing for them to do? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sort of regularly on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook or all the usual social media, so Instagram or Twitter. But the easiest way to contact me, Tony, is to send an email to uh, the football at whitstabletownfc.club. Football at whitstabletownfc.club. Yep. Or alternatively, go onto our website, find me in the contact section. There is a little uh, tab next to my name with email, and that should also send it to that address as well. That's fantastic. Well, um, I'm going to wrap it up now. You stay where you are for a minute. So from uh, me here at uh, Belmont Mountain, uh, it's been a real, real good uh, chat today to Daryl Farley, who's the Youth Development Officer of Whitstable Town. And we will be catching up with Daryl again. So watch this space. Join your host, Tony Rouse, every week on Belmont Banter for news about local football in Kent and beyond. I do hope that you've enjoyed today's episode of Belmont Banter. Don't forget there's a new episode out every week which comes out on a Sunday night, early Monday morning. And you can leave your suggestions for a guest to invite at the end. And leave a like and don't forget to pass it on to all your mates. Cheers.